coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Rebo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley. I am the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am joined today, as always, by my two co-hosts, Stan Wilson Lee. How do you do? And Chris Wilson Barnes. New year, new joke. Yes. <laughs> nope. New year, same jokes. Well, Dave, what have you brought us here to argue about? Well, the theme for this year, after a lot of consideration and after doing three years of different themes, I have decided that uh, in the year of our Lord 2023, we are going to discuss controversial opinions. Each one of us is going to pick four controversial opinions and we are going to alternate months. You know I don't have anything controversial. You keep saying that, but Stan, I don't think you have any opinions that aren't controversial. Um, I don't think we're going to have any problem coming up with things for you to discuss. You've already got one that you didn't even think was a controversial opinion. It's not. <clears throat> well, to some people it is. Much like my first... Uh, controversial opinion, because I'm going to kick things off this year, uh, is going to alienate probably half of our listenership and piss them off. Really? Oh, for sure. At least half. And uh, depending on how many people out there actually listen to this, um, you know, probably half of the Star Wars fandom. My, uh, my controversial opinion for this month, and we're sneaking this episode in right at the end of January, is not only is The Last Jedi a good film. It's a great film, and it's up there with The Empire Strikes Back, and I do not understand the sheer amount of hate that this film gets. And so to defend my opinion on this film, I have crafted what could very easily be a thesis. If I was getting my doctorate degree in Star Wars, which if they offered a doctorate in Star Wars, I would probably get one just to say I'm Dr. Star Wars. <laughs> but I have a whole list of opinions. So I want to start by addressing two of the most common complaints about uh, The Last Jedi. The first of which is the hashtag not my Luke Skywalker debate. It was incredibly prevalent after this film came out. All of the Star Wars fans who hated this film said that uh, Ryan Johnson ruined the character of Luke Skywalker, that that's not how he would have reacted to the situation, that uh, it was completely out of character for Luke. And to that I say, it is your Luke Skywalker. You can get fucked. <laughs> if you actually watch the movie, Luke's character arc, makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And if you've watched all the other Star Wars films, especially, Luke's arc is perfectly in line with the character. And if you know the canon, you know, books, everything like that, of what happened with the Jedi during this time. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, that's just called character development. It's been 30 years between Return of the Jedi right. and The Last Jedi. Luke is going to be a very different character now in his... 50s than he was in his 20s. So I just sort of made a, a list of different points as I was going through and watching the movie uh, addressing these criticisms. I think a lot of people really wanted and expected Luke to show up at the end of The Last Jedi and just lay waste like a one-man army to the First Order. I cannot think of anything 
more boring of a finale than an overpowered Luke just showing up and saving the day. That is not at all what any of these films are about. Um, my next note was, I've already said, Luke's journey makes perfect sense if you watch the fucking movie. <laughs> um, but in, in reference to the overpowered Luke dominating the First Order, I, it, this is just one person's opinion, but Luke's final acts in The Last Jedi are far more badass than him showing up and just cleaning house with a lightsaber. Luke manages to humiliate Kylo Ren and the entire First Order in the space of five minutes with an act of enormous power that we have not seen displayed by any other Jedi. It is foreshadowed earlier in the movie, though, so it's not like totally out of left field and um, both... uh, Who's the main baddie? Uh, Snoke. Kylo Ren or Snoke? Snoke. Yeah. Snoke and both Snoke and Kylo talk about, you know, the power of the power and that... The power of the power. Because if Ray was... Uh, that it's too much for Ray yeah, to do. Yeah. So. I've got that down. Um, yeah, you're right. It is. Um, let, me, let me skip to that one. So Kylo foreshadows this early on the first time that he and Ray are able to see each other across space through the force. He tells her, you're not doing this. The effort would kill you. Right. And as we see, when Luke actually does it, the effort does kill him. But the idea of force projection and powers like this that we've never seen before, that is established 30 minutes into the movie with uh, Kylo and Ray's first projected meeting, which you find out later was set up by Snoke. Snoke, yeah. Um, But let's talk about the whole Luke versus Kylo Ren fight, if you want to call it that at the end. When Luke actually does quote-unquote show up, um, first of all, Luke looks nothing like he did when Ray was there on Octo. He was much older, much more gray-haired, completely different outfit. Th- they did a brilliant job of foreshadowing that he isn't really there. Uh, he looks like he did in Kylo's flashback, which was at least 10 years earlier. And he's carrying the lightsaber that just a few scenes earlier got split in half uh, in Kylo and Ray's duel. But he shows up and proceeds to just make Kylo look like a little child which I think is just so satisfying to watch because a simple one-on-one duel with Kylo might have had some flashy choreography, might have looked cool, would not have been satisfying. Instead, he completely shrugs off everything that Kylo throws at him, which is an armada of ships and uh, AT-ATs firing on him, and he does the... I want to say classic, but it's not classic to Star Wars, the uh, brush your shoulder off (laughs) motion. Um, All of this so that he can distract Kylo long enough for the resistance to escape certain doom, which they do. And then by just disappearing, because he was projecting himself from across the galaxy, by disappearing and then dying, he completely denied Kylo the opportunity to ever kill him one-on-one. And he, before he disappears to go back to die, 
He ends with a Han Solo reference. See you around, kid. I love that line. A lot of people hated it. Um, I remember that being one of the things that uh, David Two Dogs Hayes pointed out to me when he saw it. He hated that line. I love it. it it's a totally homage to Han and um, respect from Luke um, and the fact that that's going to be the thing that really takes Kylo down. It's like, this is what my dad would have said. Mm-hmm. And um, I just killed him. <laughs> Two years ago in the last movie, but yeah. but uh, I killed him. They don't really establish how much time has passed, but it has been at most like just a few days since the end of The Force Awakens. And this movie takes place over the course of about a day, I would say. Really? Yeah, because yeah, at, one, so. at one point uh, they mentioned that uh, the ship that Leia and Poe are on is running out of fuel and they've got about 18 hours left. So... 24 to 36 hours, I'd say, the entire movie takes place over the course of. It's a very short time span. Because Ray gets some training, and there's at least a night. Yeah, she pass. spends at least a I think just one night there. Luke only gives her three lessons in yeah. the entire movie. And it's basically, the Jedis are done. They're not coming back. Um, it's over. The Force is broken. The Force is broken. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, essentially, and she she gleans what she needs to off of that. Yeah. What were you about to say, Chris? It just seems like an odd time frame that they would pace it so soon after the first movie. Yeah, um, there was there was time difference between New Hope and Empire. Yeah, New Hope and Empire is three years. Empire to Return of the Jedi. They made it about real time, as in between mm-hmm. sequels. Yeah. Yeah, but then uh, from Empire to Jedi is just one year. Even though there was a three-year gap in releases, the, it's only been a year since Han was captured uh, in Al- Jedi. Although, realistically, they, they couldn't make it too long of a stretch between the time frame between two movies because Ray finds Luke at the end of the first mm-hmm. one. So. Yeah, unless you wanted to just jump forward in time and establish that she's been there for a few years in training. And he's been actively ducking her all that time. That would have been hilarious. That's another thing people wanted out of Luke is to immediately step up and say, yes, I will train you. Yes, I'm going to make you the best Jedi in the galaxy. No, he has no interest in doing that. By and too point. easy. It would be too, yeah. too easy of a, you know, oh yeah, Luke's back, let's train her. It's like, no, he's, he lost his whole yeah. a training, you know, training team, you know, and it's like he killed his students or, you know, basically was responsible for the death of all the Jedi. Yeah, as far so. as he is concerned, he is the one responsible exactly. for their deaths, even though it is Snoke and Kylo or Ben Solo that are responsible for those. Plus, that creates a plot hole in the idea of, like, why would he hide his location? Right. He even says, why do you think I came to the most, most remote part of the galaxy? Unfindable. Yeah. <laughs> the most unfindable part of the galaxy uh, where he has been for, again, at least 10 years. They never really established how long ago Kylo turned. But if, in the flashbacks, it looks as though he's in his late teens. Um, so that would mean, you know, 30 years after Jedi, it's probably been at least 10 years since Ben Solo became Kylo Ren. Um, but again, this ties back to what I said. Just watch the fucking movie. You get meted out the information that you need over the course of the film. I think so many people saw that first scene of, of Luke and Ray where he throws away the lightsaber, which the last time we saw Luke... Okay, I'm going to start getting real nerdy here. The <laughs> Start? Last, <laughs> excuse me? Yeah, 
Okay, I'm going to start getting nerdier. The last time we saw Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, he threw away his lightsaber. At the end of his fight with Vader, he tosses his lightsaber down a chasm on the Death Star. This movie, Ray hands him his old lightsaber. He immediately throws it away. Now, just like a few years after this came out, uh, you know, there was an episode of The Mandalorian where Luke came back, and it was what people wanted to see of Luke. It was just him murder-fucking his way through a bunch of robots. But and de-aged, by the way. Digitally de-aged, because The Mandalorian is five years after right. Jedi, 25 years before the events. Of course, young Luke is going to be what people exactly. wanted out of this character. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it starts with him throwing his lightsaber away, refusing to train her, refusing to even talk to her. And I feel like so many people turned off their brains at that point and just went, fuck this movie. That's not my Luke Skywalker. That they didn't pay attention that, to the fact that Luke had an enormous amount of pressure placed on him. He was expected to train a new generation of Jedi and to do it perfectly the first time. And he fucked up the first one. Well, he, he fucked up. He made one mistake. If after 15, 20 years of training Jedi, of doing the best he can with what amounted to a very limited amount of training right. himself, he made one mistake. And that was even considering the possibility of killing Kylo, an act that he admits was weakness on his part that he didn't go through with. But as far as Kylo concerned, Ben had already been dabbling in the dark side because of his connection to Snoke. He wakes up in the middle of the night and his master is standing over him with a lit lightsaber. Everything goes to shit. Uh, Luke gets knocked out. When and not comes. just the uh, teacher, but the guy who killed... Darth Vader standing over you. And not just that, his uncle. His uncle, yes. A blood relative standing over him with a lit lightsaber. So yeah, you're going to be react to that. Yeah. Negatively. He murders Luke's entire uh, school of students, kills all of them, burns it to the ground. So Luke does the exact same thing that Yoda and Obi-Wan, his two main teachers, had done before him which was fuck off to a remote <laughs> part of the galaxy. Yoda and Obi-Wan failed against uh, the Emperor and Vader. So Yoda went to Dagobah for 19 years and Obi-Wan went to Tatooine for 19 years. The only difference is that Obi-Wan was, actu was actually able to watch over Luke and Leia yeah. or Luke um, while he was growing up. So the idea that he was still involved, but he was doing it from the farthest distance as possible. So, and as far as we know, Yoda did nothing but live in Yoda a hut. Yoda did nothing but live in a hut in a swamp <laughs> for 19 years. Actually, with the time frame, 22 years by the time Luke actually finds him. Do you think so, Luke made the connection around 18 years in? That is like, oh shit, I need to be on the lookout starting next year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, that that seems to be a poor number for the Jedi. Because uh, going all the way back to the prequel trilogy, um, Anakin Skywalker was nine years old in the events of The Phantom Menace. He's 19 years old uh, in Attack of the Clones, mm -hmm. uh, which is when he slaughters all the Tusken Raiders and starts turning to the dark side. 
Yeah, it's very Stephen Kingian. If you're a Stephen King fan, the number 19 seems to be kryptonite for these characters. Um, I, I, I think it just might have been doomed to failure, considering that pretty much the entirety of Jedi teachings amounts, is to, be, amounts to being an inflexible asshole. Yeah, yeah, he, basically. And he tells Rey that the legacy of the Jedi is failure. Yeah, because they were so fucking inflexible. And I think that's the lesson Luke finally learned. By From the- Yoda. When Yoda returns, uh, when he's about to burn down the uh, tree with the... Favorite scene in the movie. We'll, I, I want to talk about the Luke and Yoda scene uh, just on its own. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, uh, Yoda does point out to him exactly what he did These wrong. books mean nothing. <laughs> um but in, again, going back to the Mandalorian, uh, like Luke takes Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, to his academy to train him. And then immediately you see uh, in, the flat, er, in the side stories of Book of Boba Fett, Luke immediately reverted back to what the Jedi were doing generations before, what eventually led to their downfall, which was denying Jedi emotional connections by not allowing Grogu to see the Mandalorian. And by not allowing Mandalorian to give him a gift, which is what he came to Luke's planet to do. And by making uh, Grogu try to choose to stick with the Order solely. Well, that's what fucked up Anakin Skywalker in the first place. What led to the rise of Darth Vader was trying to keep him from making emotional connections. They repressed him so hard he just went and murdered a bunch of sand people. And then eventually a bunch of children. Um, oh, no, he was all in at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. At that point, he was completely turned. But Well, uh, that's, that'll lead into my... That might be the lead into mine when I come in in March, but uh, the idea that uh, that's kind of, you know, the difference between Vulcans and Romulans, who are basically the same, but the Vulcans went string hardcore asshole and said, uh, let's, let's push down our emotions and build on logic and precision and Romulans were like fuck this we're like we're gonna love our emotions and they became a warring race of course but the idea that uh that they're um listening to their emotions and being and living life that they feel is their best life where the Vulcans are like uh if it's not logical Let's be careful of it. If it's emotional based, let's be careful of it. So it's almost as if well, that's your official warning, everyone. (laughs) It's almost as if the lesson to be learned here is that controlling your emotions is way more important and valuable than just suppressing them. Right. Um, Which, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, uh, leads to a whole lot of death if you try that. So I want to continue on uh, with this whole not my Luke Skywalker bullshit. Um, Again, everyone thought that this showdown between him and Kylo was going to be an epic lightsaber battle. Um, That would have gone disaster. You mean like Darth Vader and Kenobi and New Hope? Yes. Yeah. Back before. Uh, It was largely unnoticeable. Until he started waving around like a Muppet. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. David Two Dogs Hayes has entered the studio and uh, distracted all of us. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's a large presence. I was very amused. Yes. Um, anyway. Um, 
lightsaber battles between Jedi and Sith or dark side users in general tend to go very poorly for the Jedi in almost every single fucking scenario throughout Star Wars. Qui-Gon Jedi are only guaranteed success when they're aiming for a non-force user who has extra limbs. Yeah, exactly. Um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul. Qui-Gon Jinn fucking dies. And then it's Darth Maul's turn. Yeah, and then <laughs> Obi-Wan does defeat him. It but alternates. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin versus Count Dooku. Obi-Wan gets knocked out. Anakin loses a fucking arm. Even Yoda can only fight Dooku to a standstill. And eventually, Anakin only defeats Dooku by tapping into the dark side. Right. Uh, it's almost as though, even if they're doing it in the most unhealthy way possible, controlling their emotions makes them a better fighter. Well, the uh, tap, uh, using their emotions, specifically, you know, things like hate and anger, yeah. is what makes the Sith so powerful. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like how a lot of, like, martial arts in the real world are all about channeling those emotions properly. Yes. But isn't it also, uh, for me, the idea of the Force on the, on, the, on the light side of the Force is that you're not really destined to win the fight at that moment is that your death will inspire other greats to replace you and go on to make greater things happen. Oh, so it's neat. The, I'd rather be alive than a lesson. Uh, that, right, yeah. But, but that's the point, is like the dark side, you're going to win in the moment. You know, and, you're going to feel great. But your, your ultimate experience is going to be that of utter failure. You know, and that may take eons. That may take... Mm. Thousands and millennia, you know, but the idea that uh, every time a Jedi dies, that's that much added to the goodness of the Force. Well, yeah, the, because the in, force. Some, in some cases, they literally become one with the Force. Exactly. And, you know, as shown by Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and, Yoda. and eventually Luke. Yes. Um, but as Chris says, uh, it, maybe it's better to be alive. <laughs> well, that's Leia's part. You know, that's, that's late, you know, because she's always calling people back, you know, it's like, this is, you know, don't be a hero, just right. do what you need to do and Leia, get your people back. Leia is the okay. smartest and most practical character in the original or, and the sequel trilogy. But she also knows that she's laying groundwork for the sacrifices of the Jedi. Right. Know? So well, it's, it's the difference between fighting a war and a holy war. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, but my my whole point about Jedi versus Sith was, in almost every scenario, of course. the Jedi lose. Mm -hmm. Had Luke actually, Luke who had not been actively practicing the Force for t at least 10 years, or keeping up with his lightsaber, facing off against somebody like Kylo Ren at oh, the height died. of his fucking power, oh, died. Luke would have yeah. been killed. Yeah. Which would have struck an enormous blow to the Resistance had had they all been there to witness this. I just wanted to, uh, if that was what would have happened, I wanted to look over at Ray and Finn every fucking time. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it would not have, he even tells uh, Ray earlier in uh, The Last Jedi, this is not going to go how you think it will. And him face going one-on-one -on -one facing Kylo Ren, that would not have ended the way anybody would think it would or wanted it to. So but I agree with you in the sense that the way it went down, him using the uh, force projection is, 
even more badass is because he he totally knows he would have lost yeah physically you know in in that place but he also knows that if he would have been there to actually fight and kill kylo he has submitted to the dark side yeah and the also the idea that kylo gets so revved up and the proof of how far he's fallen is so blatant even to his even to his side you know it's like um Oh yeah, because, I love because all the force projection does is move around. I don't think he. Well, there might be no. I don't think he does any kind of he makes offensive. No, he makes no uh, physical contact with Kylo whatsoever. It's again talking about foreshadowing. Everyone likes to complain. Oh, where did force projection come from? They are on the planet crate at that point, which is covered in a fine layer of salt on the ground. Every time somebody walks across it, they're moving that salt, and you can see the red clay underneath it which itself is a whole metaphor for blood on the ground. But anyway, it's made very prominent when Kylo is getting into position to fight Luke, his feet scraping on the ground and clearing away that salt. Luke's feet are not touching the salt. You don't see those same kind of footprints left behind by him. And Kylo doesn't notice. Uh, yeah, he, until he's, the very too, he's too focused on fighting Luke to notice, oh, the resistance is getting away. Uh, yeah, and I mean, the, and that's badass to me. That's that's yeah, totally yeah. military and just brilliant, brilliant. It's also know. the most in line with what traditional Jedi values were supposed to be. That yep. Eastern philosophy of peace and justice. That's what um, the Jedi were supposed to be before they got militarized and became soldiers. And if you if you can physically win without physically being there, that's even better. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Luke accomplishes everything he set out to yeah. do when, with by causing zero harm. Didn't injure Kylo in any way. Still humiliates him, still gives the resistance time to get away. And then his dying adds hope. Yeah. Adds more hope for the resistance. No one actually sees Luke die. He, all they see is he just disappears. But Ray and Leia know. Yeah, they feel it. Um, and finally, my, my last point about why what people thought they wanted would have been a bad idea. It's telegraphed to you in the first 10 minutes of the movie. The opening of The Last Jedi is this big space battle where Poe tries to go one-on-one -on -one and be the uh, you know, lone wolf hero, clear a path for the resistance to come and their bombers to come in and destroy a dreadnought. It ends disastrously. Yes, they accomplish their goals. They destroy the dreadnought. They lose their entire fleet of bombers and the majority of their starfighters and then like an hour later proceed to lose the rest of their, fight, uh, their ships. And Poe's whole arc throughout the movie is learning not to be a fucking hero, not to try to be a lone wolf, and why that doesn't work, why coming up with a fucking plan and executing that plan is better than running in guns blazing. And there's only like two or three people that can come back from being blown out into space and yeah. bring themselves back onto the ship and end up surviving. So the whole idea that he's having this major row with Laura Dern of all people um, who I love in who, this movie. who I love in this movie too except that, you know and and it's like I re, I forgot how much I didn't like the character and then I was so I'm like not liking the character first and then all of a sudden what she does 
and how she was there because of Leia, not because Leia got, you know, Princess was hurt or, you know, almost dead. Leia basically put her in that position and, is, and it's like, you're going to have to deal with Poe. And, and the, her dealings with Poe turn out to be, again... A harsh lesson for him to learn. A harsh lesson for him to learn, but the idea of what she does, the whole idea of why they're sacrificing themselves, and just the idea of hope. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing else grander, but hope. Sometimes, That's all it is. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I think you're glossing over the fact that the entire point of her character is also to demonstrate when you make the hero move. You don't make the hero move every time because Poe was so excited over getting to the word victory, he didn't see the word Pyrrhic in front Absol- of it. Absolutely. Right. No, and you're absolutely right. Um, and it's in my notes to discuss it uh, later, but since we're already talking about Laura Dern and that sacrifice, her final act of resistance, her final fuck you to the First Order is so goddamn epic. Yep. <clears throat> And just the perfect button on that character, because you're right, she, the hero move isn't always the right one to play. At that time. But goddamn when she does it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it works. And, and the whole idea that that's foreshadowed by uh, her not being who Poe thought that character was or that general was. You know, he was expecting something totally different and it's Lord fucking Dern, you know, and in this flowing dress and this popped up hair and everything. And it's like, that's not your normal general hero person that won this entire, you know, battle against, you know, against the Empire or whatever. But um, she's more like more akin to young Leia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's my opinions on hashtag not my Luke Skywalker hashtag. Yes, it is fuckers. Uh, if you watch the movie, if you've ever paid attention, if you know anything about star Wars, that is your Luke Skywalker. That is the most, that is the best arc that they could have given him because again, badass Luke Skywalker wiping the floor with the first order training Ray to be the best Jedi in the galaxy. Boring, not satisfying. So, I'm going to move on and I'm going to talk about the second thing that people like to complain about the most uh, when it comes to The Last Jedi, and that's Rey being a Mary Sue. If you don't know what a Mary Sue is, it's a fan fiction writing term for a character who's just fucking perfect in every way. A Mary Sue character is always the most gorgeous person in the room. They're always the smartest person in the room. They're not afraid. They're great at everything. Uh... That is not what Ray is. Again, that's John Boyega's character. <clears throat> that's Finn. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I mean, he. I guess it would be Poe, right? He, no, Poe. Poe thinks. Poe thinks that he I'm is teasing. a Mary Sue. Yes, Poe thinks he's a Mary Sue. Um, but no, that is not Ray's character whatsoever. Anybody who thinks that doesn't actually understand what a Mary Sue is. Ray is demonstrated in The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi. Ray is more often than not scared shitless of whatever is going Absolutely. on. And she says that. She, yeah, she, she tells all the way Luke through early both on that she is scared about what that, what's happening to her, the situations that she has found herself in. She's scared of never seeing her parents again because she is still convinced that one day they are going to come back and pick her up and everything's going to be fine with them again. 
Um, even though we kind of we find out later things were never fine with her and her parents, but we're not going to talk about Rise of Skywalker. Um, Ray is also naive to the point of uh, suicidal overconfidence, as I wrote it, which is another quality shared by both Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Um, naivety tends to run uh, in the Jedi. Um, because it's a, you know, it's a fanatical religion where you're taught to believe that the force is always looking out for you. Made up of kids, mind you. Because mo- most, you know, most of the... The force is made up of kids? No, Jedi, uh, Jedis end up being, oh, yeah. are, you know, these kids that have yet to learn everything there is about life. And so the Jedis take them to hopefully teach them about the light side, you know, and say, okay, there's a reason to be good where the dark side is just it's just actually living life there it's not dark because it's bad or whatever basically the dark side you're turning to dark side because life is good on the dark side you know and you get to enjoy well, yourself you get to have parties you know not you get necessarily to, it's because you've suffered and you are kind of beaten down and you're more easily to like well if i can wield this power i should use it to make things right for me make right things yeah. right for me might makes yeah. right which is they, which is just basically living life, you know, for the, yourself. The movies uh, do not really do a good job of explaining how powerful the dark side is. Um, it's just sort of presented as like, okay, it's the opposite of the light side. You know, there are good Jedi and there are bad Jedi. In the expanded universe, uh, the dark side of the Force is portrayed as like this incredibly corruptive force that once you once it is corrupted you enough and you fully embrace it you are essentially a different person that's what happened to Anakin becoming Vader that's what happened to Ben Solo becoming Kylo Ren um sorry this is just a tangent about the dark side since we're we're talking about you know critical differences but 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 the thing is it's not necessarily that tangential because when uh Finn and um uh, let's go to that planet to find Finn and Rose. Finn and Rose go to the planet to find uh, the master codebreaker. Codebreaker turns out to be Benicio del Toro, um, but uh, you, that's they're normal people that just happen to do yeah you know stuff that was working on both sides. So they got money. So yes, in the sense of the corruption, yes. But again, it's people looking to have a good life, and uh, so it's like. How, if, if you're not part of, you know, the groups that are, you know, doing the resistance or part of the empire necessarily, you know, upper levels of that, you're just a regular person that just happened to make a lot of money. Then you have the kids that were running those animals that Rose sets free and stuff yeah. that are who we're hoping become part of the good side of the force well the rest of the galaxy like if you're not a uh, you know part of the resistance or you're not part of the empire you're just trying to survive exactly. in the star wars galaxy exactly. um but uh one of the mary sue qualities that people like to bring up about ray is she's just good at everything um you know she uh the first time she handles a lightsaber at the end of the force awakens she's able to beat kylo ren in combat um, she's able to call the lightsaber to her. She's able to use force abilities. And people bring this up as though like a, a preternatural 
innate understanding of the Force is a new thing to this series. That is the entire reason Qui-Gon Jinn wanted to train Anakin in the first place is because at nine years old, Anakin was displaying these huge amounts of Force energy, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and the whole Obi-Wan protecting uh, Luke. Luke. And then in the in the series, you know, baby Leia. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke. Uh, you got to watch out for who, where they go to. Luke was able to pick up on training that normally takes Jedi decades to accomplish. Um, and they talk about it in, in uh, Last Jedi where, where both... Several people talk about how um, Kylo displayed this same, the same kind of raw, ener- raw, raw power. energy. And Luke tells her, I've only ever seen this kind of raw power once before. It didn't scare me then, then but it does, does now. now. And, he, and then he sees the same type in her, which means that's the power the Jedi are being careful about dealing with. Right. Um, early on in the movie, Snoke even calls out Kylo Ren on being defeated by a girl who'd never held a lightsaber before. The movie makes it a point to mention (laughs) that. Um, And let's talk about Luke again. Luke, at the end of A New Hope, made a nearly impossible shot, firing uh, the shot that destroyed the Death Star, in a ship that he had never flown before. Then you go on to uh, Empire Strikes Back, his entire fight against Vader, he pretty much fights him to a standstill the first time he's ever used a lightsaber in combat. A lot of people forget that when Luke fights Vader at the end of Empire, Luke had not fought anyone with a lightsaber prior to that point. He used it a few times. He used it in training on Dagobah. He cut off a Wampa's arm with it. Had not yeah, but that was after that Wampa really kicked his ass. Yeah. Also, he did, he did use that training bot, which gave him a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so Luke was able to hold his own against the most powerful Sith Lord in the galaxy the first time he used his lightsaber in combat. Is it entirely impractical that uh, Rey could do the same fucking thing when it's shown that she already has some kind of combat training or experience when she's spinning that bow staff around? She grew up on a planet full of criminals. Right. Uh, on her own, she had some sort of combat training. Is part well, of the there was a criminal element, but it was basically a, a, a planet of scroungers and, and scavengers. scavengers yeah. yeah, is part of the um, controversy about that? You know, where Luke and Leia they actually have their offspring of Force users, and so they and where we yeah. don't know about. Ray's parent. At this point, we didn't know about Ray's parentage. It wasn't until Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, did you see Rise of Skywalker? Yes. Okay. And I love it, actually. <laughs> ah, man, I have a lot of hard opinions on, the, on Rise of Skywalker. I watched that movie, and I left it going. Well, I mean, we didn't know shit about Luke's parentage until uh, the end of Empire. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I walked out of Rise of Skywalker going, ah, it was all right. It was a good end to the trilogy. But as the last three years have gone by, four years at this point, I have soured on the Rise of Skywalker, especially knowing like what Colin Trevorrow's original pitch for it was. It could have been a lot more. Um, well, I haven't seen it, but from everything I've heard, it sounded like uh, a hard overcorrection to respond. It was, and it was a safe overcorrection. Yeah. Um, 
Which I suppose is in line with J.J. Abrams because Force Awakens came out in 2015 and everyone said, oh, it's too much like the uh, other movies. They didn't do anything different. It's essentially a new hope. And then they did something different. So Ryan Johnson (laughs) swung for the fences and made something completely different. People say completely different. It still hits almost beat for beat. This movie is almost beat for beat. Mm. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And, but it was so, it was too different. And people said, oh, that's not Star Wars. It's too different. Well, make up your fucking minds. You were upset when it was too similar. You're mad that it's not similar enough. So J.J. Abrams overcourse corrected and gave us The Rise of Skywalker, which tried to tie everything up in a neat little bow and was just too well, this, easy. This is the perfect place for me to, to say this because I've been uh, saving this up for the right moment. But it was just, it, it, with Star Wars, honestly, it's just become a terrible mix of a, of, a, of a large number of things. And it just it just exploded all over The Last Jedi, which is uh, a lot of the Star Wars fan base is unpleasable. Oh, it's, a lot of every fan base. But yeah, yeah, but Star Wars in particular ha- is especially well known for having an unpleasable fan base what? from before the sale. Yeah. They are used, and it doesn't help that they are used to because Lucas was vague and was never really interested in going in and filling in a lot of hard details. The fan base is, and in many ways, largely responsible for every minute possible detail of the the world of the Star Wars universe being filled in. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem with the la- oh, that they have with the Last Jedi and its. And it's, it's plots because specifically because it's a Star Wars movie because things weren't over weren't detailed enough for some people they were fucking losing it, and then since that you you add you take an un, unpleasable fan base, and you have one of the one of if not the biggest franchises of all time, with a rabid unpleasable fan base, that is now owned by a company, that lives and dies by uh fan reaction by 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 I'm trying, I can't even think of the right word by uh by franchisability not franchisability I mean in terms of like how they like they take in like they listen to uh opinions from from fans they they take them like they they live and die by they they listen for them constantly and you and and it's also a company known for with with the big properties, breathing hard down the neck of the people making it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you add, of course, an unbearable amount of hype. Yeah, that's that's everything that went into the Last Jedi in a meta sense, not a creative sense, it's just in the meta of the environment it was being made in. And of course, that's what you got. You got the un, you got an incredible shit show of everyone. No, everyone seemingly hating it for an, a myriad of reasons, not to mention the, the racists and the sexists. Well, yeah, uh, people who were mad that their heroes weren't all but white guys anymore. That and the fact is, like, the, like, they showcase new characters and people are like, get out of the way. Where's the... Yeah, we don't want Finn. We don't want a girl Oh, China definitely didn't want Finn. Right. 
Um, nobody for, wanted Rose. Oh, uh, the, the hate she got was unbearable. Oh, my God. The hate that John Boyega got was enough that he's like, I will probably never do... They Harrison forwarded him. He, he basically... Right. Well, I don't, I don't know if there's a dollar amount big enough that will ever make Boyega want to be like, yes, maybe I will come back. Um, Rose uh, was set up... Uh, to be as integral to the plot as Ray and Finn and Poe. Yeah. But the fan, uh, quote unquote, because I don't really want to call them actual fans, but the quote unquote fan outcry yeah. to the character of Rose was so piss poor. It wasn't a lot of people. It was just a sustained campaign of racism. Yeah. That they cut her role. And misogyny. And misogyny, yeah. Um, they cut her role in Rise of Skywalker to almost nothing. Yeah. I feel horrible for that actor because she did a good job. She was great. Yeah, she did great. Fucking uh, Fairweather f- fans, fake fans. Anyway, I, I have two more points to make sure. on the, uh, the Ray Mary Sue argument. One of them is um, it, the movie makes it a point to show Ray's biggest foe is herself. Mm-hmm. She literally goes through the exact same scenario that Luke did in Empire where he faces Vader, cuts off his helmet, and sees that the face underneath is his. Rey finds herself in that cave where she touches a reflection that she thinks is going to show her her parents, and instead it shows her herself. Um, And then when um, Luke is first trying to teach her to tap into the Force... uh, Things go awry very quickly, and he has to pull her out of it. And he tells her that when she was faced with the dark side, she, went, she ran directly do- fucking towards it. She dived into the dark side. Her, her first instinct was to run towards the dark. Those are not Mary Sue qualities. <laughs> A Mary Sue would have sat down on that rock, meditated with Luke for the first time, and mastered every force ability there was. And, then and like, Luke wouldn't have shut up about how good mm. she was doing. Right. He would have just lauded on her. Oh, my God, you're the best student. You're going to save the galaxy and the resistance. And I've never seen anyone be this good this fast. You know, phrases like that would pop up. Right. So, no. No. You fucking misogynist. Ray is not a Mary Sue. Anyway, that, those are my two uh, thesis, uh, whatever. Thesis. 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 Your thesis Yes. Um, so now I want to talk about a couple of random things, uh, one of which we already talked about Laura Dern and the fuck you to the First Order by slamming her fucking ship through with air, through uh, Snoke's ship at light speed and cutting it in half. Chef's kiss. Yes, please. Love it. Um, but my, I wanted to point out I one day hope to face death with the same sort of dignity that that one First Order Admiral did when, uh, uh, when he sneered at an oncoming explosion. They do that nice push-in after they, they, uh, bombers finally blow up uh, that, that enormous ship at the beginning, the Dreadnought. There is a push-in on the First Order General or whoever, Admiral, whatever, as he looks at an oncoming explosion and he sneers at it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> sneer at your death. I'm here for it. I love it. Uh, the, one of the few complaints about the film that I have, this, it's not a perfect film. It's a solid nine for me. The, everything on Canto Bite, the casino planet, goes on a little bit too long. 
But Finn and Rose learn an important lesson about war profiteering, <laughs> which is not a subplot that I saw uh, ever showing up in a uh, Star Wars film, but here we are. They learn how war profiteering works. Uh, th- actually, I, I wrote those around this first note that I took down. Why was Joseph Gordon-Levitt using that accent? Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the guy that goes and alerts the authorities that Finn and Rose uh, just parked their ship on a beach. And he's using this weird, like, foghorn leghorn type accent. Well, I guess you're not supposed to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Wait, wait, I forget. How how many lines does he have? It's not many, and I'm pretty sure it's all CGI. You can't even tell that it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, that's what it is. He just wanted to do something fun. It's like, no, all right. Because he's a ro... Is it a robot? He's no, not a, no he's, he's like no, a waiter or something, right? No, he's, he's one of the high rollers. High rollers, okay. Um, because Justin Theroux is also in it as who, he, they, who is the actual, he's the actual uh, guy they're looking for. Yeah. And they end up with Benicio Del Toro and the war profiteering. But uh, um, that, I don't know why about JGL, the fact that he get. I mean, it's a, Ryan Johnson movies. So, I think we're putting yeah. too much thought into but, just the fun little side character. I know. Character. Like, just why, why, why that dialogue? Because no one stopped him. That's <laughs> yeah. no literally the answer. And oh. uh, but, I'm betting Ryan Johnson's like that's that's good. That's pretty funny. I'll let that go. But there is one thing about, and I and I think this might be where actually, actually sorry to interrupt. I would let stuff like that go for the sole reason of I know for a fact Star Wars nerds the <laughs> world gonna, over would have to find a way to rationalize that into the universe. Yes, there is a I there, would I would add more I would do more stuff like that. Like, All right, you work that one in too. The, there is an author out there right now or maybe like after this movie came out who was in the un, unenviable position of having to now come up with a backstory for that one character <laughs> and why he's on this casino planet and why the planet he comes from, everyone talks like Foghorn Leghorn. I'm guessing uh, brain damage. Well, yeah. I was thinking that he was like a worker there because he's like, I told them they can't park there. And then and then he turned, you know, when he identified. So it's that moment. And no, then the moment where he identifies them in the actual casino is like, those are the guys that park. He's just an overly place. concerned patron. Okay. He's All wearing right. a space tuxedo. Okay. All right. Um, um, but I mean, if you're a hostess or Trust a host, me, someone who works there wouldn't care, uh, <laughs> right? No, um, but it's my, like that's not my job. I don't give a my shit. My thing with that though is, uh, I think, and this might be where it started for you know, especially the Disney versions, is that you know, because one of my things when I talk about it is that um, in Star Wars, it's a there's a very good delineation between good and bad, and this war profiteering issue is like one of the first moments that I remember of something being really, really oddly gray. Right. And then that's continued on through the series and, you know, because there's a lot of, you know, especially like in, um, oh God, what do we, uh, Andor. Well, I haven't watched Andor yet, but the, probably more so in that, but in like Obi-Wan with the whole, um, the three, um, just the cars, I want to call them, but uh, the three justices that are going, and then the one turns out to be... Oh, the uh, the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors. And I think that's a bit of a stretch because they are explicitly evil. But then she turns out not to be, but the, right. I- but the idea that there's a lot of gray happening now 
in Star Wars stuff where I don't remember it being so blame. I remember I it being blamed. I think that's two. I think that's twofold. Honestly, one, well, threefold maybe because one, George Lucas is gone. Right. Two. There's a lot more minds at work here now. Yeah. Two. Um, I think that's a symptom of, of more. I mean, of more modern writing mm-hmm. is you want to nuance everything. Right. Everything Where, isn't good and e- just good and evil anymore. But and 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 you know what? That, that's oddly prescient because that's going to come up uh, next month. Um, but and then the third thing is. Um, well, I think I, did, I said the third thing, didn't I? Yeah, I did. Okay, never um, mind. The idea, just, though, that... Um, well, no, no, it, it was also the fact, like, I think people who have grown up with Star Wars and now have gotten to work with Star Wars, they want to they wanna do their thing to build on the legacy of Star Wars, and it's just like, I think it's like... Well, yeah, we were kids when yeah. Star Wars came out. And, and, now, we, and now you're grown up well, and things I, are complicated, so you want yeah. Star Wars to be complicated. I was an almost teenager. Um, uh, but uh, the idea that... It's no longer just a space opera. It's not a Buck Rogers um, thing, you know, serial. It's actually, you know, it's setting itself in reality. It's setting itself in, you The know, Last Jedi opens up with what is essentially a World War II bombing run. Right, right, right. Um, it's, it, it's a lot, it's a lot, like Chris was saying, the, you know, it's much more modern. It's much more, you know, pathos nuanced. and nuanced and... Uh, uh, Eros is even explored, you know, there isn't the idea that it's not black and white anymore. Oh gosh, that, that's hard, but it, it's not good and evil, it, right. not just good and evil that there is going to be shades of gray all the way through. Well, there's, there's plenty of black and white, like the stormtroopers are, are <laughs> and the, the Imperial officers still wear gray. <laughs> but, yeah. but now you get, what's her face? Gwendolyn Christie in, in silver In silver. So it's like, and, and being one of the worst of the worst you know but her oh, costume they is sleek as fuck they oh poor Gwendolyn Christie <laughs> the character at Captain Phasma was hyped to the moon Phasma was supposed to be clearly supposed to be so much more than it ended up being she was supposed to be like a Boba Fett analog like oh man cool armor mysterious background like this person's gonna be badass nope <laughs> well Katie was to be fair she ended up being like Boba Fett because if you remember Boba Fett Fett, well, originally died, quote yep. unquote, uh, by after being shot by a blind Hansel <laughs> over a Sarlacc pit. Yep, and then getting his backpack, uh, or yeah. getting his jetpack slapped by a, a Luke, Luke yeah, wasn't it? Was yeah, this lightsaber? Uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, Some he goes should. haywire. He goes down the Sarlacc. Oh, oh pit. it's uh, Han gets Han is holding a, a staff and hears that Boba Fett is nearby. And Boba Fett, where? Turns Bam. around, hits his jetpack, it malfunctions, he flies directly into the Sarlacc pit. World's best bounty hunter taken off the board, <laughs> just like that. And, and as you recall, in The Force Awakens, Captain Phasma, cool badass Captain Phasma, gets thrown down the trash chute to yes. start with. Yes. Um, let's, uh, let's, we'll wrap things up on some lighter notes than uh, the nuance of between good and evil. How great are Porgs? <laughs> Porgs are great. I, one of the cutest things in recent memory to come out of Star Wars um, God damn adorable. When the one becomes his hoard hor- hor- are a hundred percent someone, uh, some Disney executive going. We need a marketable plushie. Yeah. <laughs> Design a Star Wars creature that will BB-8 be that. does does not suffice. Well, yeah. no, BB-8's good in in that you know he you, he's great for action figures and little right, robot right. things. But, but we you need, need a, a plush. We toy. need a plush yep. toy. And Ryan Johnson looked at that and said, 
Okay, okay. I'll give you your plush toy. And then but he's going to be he's going to be a mini Chewy. <laughs> well, and then he wrote in the scene where Chewy is roasting one over <laughs> yes. a spit and preparing to eat it. Yeah. While all the other porgs look at him sadly with their little or with their big eyes, like. Please don't eat our look, friend. Look, if they're if they're uh, one, that's actually based on nature. I can I have a right. story about that. And two, uh, if they're as bird-like as I think they are, they probably eat some of it a little bit. Probably. <laughs> um, I also and, in a, oh sorry, go ahead, Sam. Well, and he but it works because he ends up not eating what he has on his spit at the time, and then he ends up taking the one that stays, and that becomes his mini me. For the rest well, of the I are, mean, that one was cool with, with murder, so I was like, yeah. Here uh, the- by the end of the film, there are porgs all over the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yes, so what I, they have uh, little nests. and. So what I hear is he's basically trafficking uh, an invasive an in- species across <laughs> yes. the galaxy. Uh, it's going to be Tribbles. I love porgs, but I also love the space nuns on Octo oh, yeah. that are getting increasingly more annoyed by Luke and Ray's antics. Space nuns and then the... Uh, the cats on the last planet um, that... I mean, literally, there goes the neighborhood with those humans moving in. <laughs> but, yes, exactly. And, uh, um, and, and, and uh, Luke talks about it. They take care of the stuff, and you're fucking it up, man. <laughs> but, but those cats that lead them out of the... That lead them through the that other exit Finn and of Rose, the uh, Oh, no, no, the, uh, the, the foxes. Yeah, the foxes. Yes. Those are awesome. Yes, uh, great care, great creature design. Love those, um, and uh, yeah, it, very clever use of that because that leads up to Finn saying, "Well, how are they getting out?" And then following them to the exit. That could have been followed up by seeing a a, a large pile of the fox bones. Like, oh, they don't. Right. <laughs> but um, but the idea that one hangs out and says, "Come on, this is the way out." Yeah. You know, um, just the fact that the animals aren't. Like the Ewoks in the in the early films, or any of the animals, basically that ended up. Ewoks are sapien; they're not animals. But 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 the, the you you know what I'm talking about. The, you know that's like they're not human characters, but they're the ones that allow the humans to move. We're gonna take a detour for a second here, <laughs> just because um, the other night I was scrolling through Reddit, and somebody posed the question: What's the most fucked up aspect of the Star Wars universe that no one ever talks about? And somebody pointed out in Return of the Jedi when they get to Endor, uh, the Ewoks give Leia a dress that fits her perfectly, and then a few <laughs> scenes later, Ty Han and Luke and Chewbacca up, and we're going to roast them over a spit, implying they were going to eat them. Which means the reason they had that dress to give to Leia is because the last woman who came to their planet that was Leia's size, they probably ate her. Probably. <laughs> I mean, they, they, also, they, they probably went for Luke and Han first, because you know, they're bigger, they probably had more meat on them. And then somebody compounded on that by saying, you know that they, the Ewoks probably ate all of those stormtroopers they killed mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, 100%. Can you imagine the rebels at the end? <laughs> they're celebrating, they're hugging, they're high-fiving, and they're the dancing. Ewoks. And then they, as they watch the Ewoks start stripping the armor off the stormtroopers and getting them ready, like gutting them, getting them ready mm, to roast. These are chicken. Guys, we got to go while they still like us. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was just a, a No, no, that's, that a, that's important. And I mean, considering, I mean, again, the story was that was originally supposed to be Wookiees. Yeah. So they, all they did was shrink them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I want to take us out on uh, my, my last note, and it's Stan, you already brought it up. The scene 
between Luke and Yoda's Force Ghost is my favorite scene in Star Wars canon. Any of the movies, anything else, because it is classic Empire Strikes Back Yoda imparting some hard lessons on Luke once again. Um, then, like, I, Katie will tell you, I started crying the first time we saw this in the theater because I was so touched by this scene. Like, this was my childhood brought back. But Yoda gets the best line in Star Wars when he says to Luke, we are what they grow beyond. Yep. That is the burden of all masters. Yep. Fucking, what a fucking great line by one of the greatest fictional characters. That, that, is, my, that is my premise to when I was saying earlier about um, it's not the Jedi's destiny to necessarily win. It's, it's to, to endure. It's to endure and to allow the ones after to grow beyond. And, and that's what Yoda says. And he also tells Luke um, the greatest teacher failure is. Failure is, yes. Oh, God, so fucking good. And he does it with such... It's like he's dead, and he's been dead for hundreds of years now or whatever, re- relatively. Well, well, 30. 30 years. But the idea that he's like... In, in death, he's become... I'm the trickster of tricksters now because he just told... You know, he get, he's still given the wisdom of Yoda, but the thing... You know, the fact that he totally <laughs> derides the books... <laughs> Page turners, they are not. <laughs> not. You know, he destroys them and their and their meaning, and and it's like he he sets the tree on fire himself. Well, Yoda probably also knew because the end of the Last Jedi, we are shown that Ray took all of the sacred Jedi texts from that hollow yeah. and had them on the Falcon. So. Yoda, being his little trickster self, was giving Luke the business by making him yes. think he had blown up all of those books. Um, as you say, at this point, Yoda has been dead for 30 years, has been one with the Force, reappears, and one of his first acts is to summon a bolt of lightning <laughs> from beyond the grave exactly. that sets fire to this tree. So I want to think, as soon Luke... as Luke became one with the Force, there was a lot of hugs, and then he just starts choking Yoda like Bart Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> While Yoda is just beating his, his ghost on the head with his cane. Yes. Um, so that is my that is my argument as to why um, The Last Jedi is a great Star Wars film it's a great film outside of you know uh, the franchise and it's to me it's on the same level as Empire I I can't even play devil's advocate because again you know to be in that world you know it's like okay okay here's here's my okay something I'm going to bring up I enjoy The Hobbit Peter Jackson's The Hobbit series just because I'm in the world. There it is. I was trying to think of another one for you. (laughs) You know, so it's like... I'm not watching those movies. But but the idea that... And and my whole argument is, okay, first of all, this is a space opera. So it's like your arguments really aren't going to hold that much weight because for all intents and purposes and ostensibly they... The film, these films do not hold that much weight anyway, if you think about it. But the idea that, the idea that you're back in the world, and so it's like, I can't even play devil's advocate if you were looking for an argument to happen. It's like, I'm going to be, this is great for me because here I am, the characters are still true to what they are. Um, I've been with it since 1977. You know, it's like, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not as nerd 
on them as you are. And Star Wars is my religion. Uh, yeah, and it's not even close to a religion for me, but the idea, again, being in that world, and it's like I, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of the, of the uh, one, two, three um, group. That's uh, a discussion all on its own. <laughs> but the idea, the, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I can totally jump on board with because the world is set, and, 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 and then again, the new series stuff, it's just, Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan, perfect. You know, and it's like, the world is happening and it's still there and it's great. And just to have that movie, that type of film that is still supplying that much hope. Yeah. Is. And that has is, endured this long. Has endured this long. And the hope is still true hope. That in itself is a reason for its existence. I and do. There should not be that much jibing of it because it's a movie to allow audiences to feel good again yeah know? i i do want to say you know chris and i found out within the last couple of years that there's the generation under us um loves the prequels which just blew my fucking mind like i had no idea i i thought you know aside from like the most hardcore of we love it because it's star wars fans the general consensus was the prequels are just fucking bad, right? And then we find out that um, there's all these teens and 20-somethings who love the prequels. So I was like, okay, I haven't watched any of these in a long time, so pretty much since they came out, which I was 13 years old when um, The Phantom Menace came out. I was 16 for Attack of the Clones. I was 19 uh, for Revenge of the Sith. So... I was like, you know what? It's been a good long time since these movies have come out. Uh, I need to watch these with fresh eyes. You know, past all the hype that was surrounding when they came out, past all the controversy, just see what I feel about them now in my 30s. This was sometime last year. As a 35-year-old man, how do I feel about these films now? I watched The Phantom Menace, and at the end of it, I was like, okay, not a great film, but a lot of big ideas and with some tweaks, some rewrites, somebody to reel um, George Lucas in a little bit. Could have been a great film. And then I started watching Attack of the Clones. And I made it 10 minutes in. And I was like, I can't fucking do it. Oh my God, this is bad. Oh my God, this movie is just so fucking bad. That, that ruined that experiment. I didn't finish Attack of the Clones and I didn't, didn't go back to rewatch Revenge of the Sith. Uh, a man and I were talking the other day um, at at a dinner, and um, she she's gone through from January first, and she went through a list of movies, and she's she's watching movies every day, and uh, she said something. She's saying how she rewatched all the Star Wars stuff, and uh, I said even Phantom Menace. And she, it's a movie. I mean, and, she's technically correct. And, and the, but the idea that. And then I'd like to, oh, yeah, that's, that's why I like The Hobbit, because you're in the world again. You're in the experience. You're, you're participating in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a festivity that is just like has grabbed you once and you're back in that world. So it's like, yeah, we may have hated it when came, we, it didn't live up to the hype, whatever, whatever. But if we watch it now and just see it, you know, it's a movie. And it's part of this world that we love. So, um, but Attack of the Clones is just objectively <laughs> bad. bad. Chris, uh, what are your, your thoughts? I just, is this, are we wrapping up? Yes. Okay. 
I just wanted to end this with um, a, I wanted to piggyback with a minor controversial opinion of my own, and that is, it was all right, The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Uh, I I think the, I think a major problem with movies like this now, or has been for a while, uh, is that it it's pass fail. It has to either it, you either fall into the you're only allowed to either fall into the camp of I think this was uh, a cinematic masterpiece, or I think it is the utter dog shit dragging down these movies today. Um, and I don't th- I don't think people en- enough enough nowadays go. I liked it. I liked I liked watching the movie, and I have no further investment beyond that. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I, I I'm glad for you. I'm glad for you. It's a fantastic movie that it is that it is rated so highly for you, and it's just like I remember going with you to watch it, and at the end I was just like, okay, that I I enjoyed watching that movie, and beyond that I haven't felt any strong feeling one way or the other. It wasn't a bad two and a half hours. No, no. It was um, bad. I mean, I, you guys know I, I love the Marvel Universe. I love DC. We've talked extensively about Mass Effect and how it's my favorite video game series, comic books. Uh, uh, but Star Wars will always be my great love in fiction. It is. I, I was being hyperbolic when I said it earlier, but it, it could be my religion. I just love Star Wars so much. But we'll get into I, more. We'll get more into that. I just. I just think when, it's okay right. for movies to be all right. Yeah. No, and you're, you're I, completely no, no, right. No, no, totally right. No, you, and, and I'm not. And I'm not trying to sweep away what you were saying. It's just I was thinking about that in terms of like the original movie. It's just like when that came out, there was no expectation. There was just a lot of people saw it and it was like, oh my Ooh. god, that's amazing. And a lot, I'm sure a lot of people saw it and was like, that's all right. <laughs> it's like, and but then it just after the original trilogy and in the intervening years, it got to a point where it's just like, you can't just have a a mild take on it. Yeah, well, but I but I, I I agree with Chris in the sense uh, that's exactly what Amanda was saying. It it I mean it might have not blown her socks off, but the idea that it it's a movie and it wasn't a waste of two and a half hours. You know, yeah. it it was a pleasurable two and a half hours, and it was great. It's like Phantom Menace. Is like I I remember you know I was sixteen when it came out. We went and saw it. <laughs> I remember people immediately reacting poorly, and I just remember I just remember thinking it's like. I mean, it wasn't great, but as I was like, I'm not gonna lose my mind not over bad. it. Not <laughs> bad. No, it was kind of bad, but, <laughs> but, but but I'm not gonna lose my mind over it. Well, you know what? Uh, children the world over and uh, sci-fi nerds all have in common, and it's their great love for debates about trade taxation <laughs> and blockading <laughs> trade routes. And vaguely racist Chinese accents. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of weird decisions made. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, right. Chris, do you want to give the audience a preview of what next month looks like or just uh, oh, blindside them with it? Oh, it's going to kind of be a grab bag of things. I, I don't have any overarching. I don't have a central. I didn't sit down and, and, and block out a, a, a huge thing like, like you did. I just have some several ideas that I don't know could quite fill an entire show. So I'm just going to... Well, remember, you have to do this four times this year. Oh, I'll have plenty. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, like, like I'm, I'm just going to go down a list and, you know, however long it takes, and we'll just wrap it up there and to be continued. That's fair. Um, all right. So for list... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I can, I can preview something since I, I brought it up earlier. Um, 
the part where I, 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 think, I think things have gotten too nuanced in terms of characterization, and I don't think there's enough media where good guys are just allowed to be good and bad guys are just allowed to be bad. And actually, uh, a, a good jumping-off point for that, if you guys uh, want to check it out, I might, I might have done it through, through back channels, but I saw Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, uh, and it's a really good movie. Okay. All right. Um, well, for listeners of our other podcasts on the Long Walk Podcast Network, uh, especially the wrestling fans, we just watched uh, the 2023 Royal Rumble last night. Uh, today is Sunday the 29th, so tomorrow on Monday, David Two Dogs Hayes and Shelby Death Ray Patterson will re- be recording an episode of This Is a Work where they break down and discuss uh, the Royal Rumble, so you can be on the lookout for that. Um, Stan, if people want to follow you online or reach out to you online, where can they, Chris, if people want to reach I, out to I you, heard I was found in the dark web, so... You don't know what the dark web is. Chris, <laughs> if people want to reach out to you online or follow you online, where can they do that at? Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I mean, you know, let's see how long that's, that's going to go for. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked Twitter is still functioning. Uh, if you want to follow me personally online, the best place to do that is on Instagram at DB Hensley. If you want to keep up with the shows on here, you can go on Instagram and follow at Long Walk Podcast. That's Long Walk Podcast Singular or at This Is A Takeover. And if you're so inclined and you're still using Twitter, you can follow at Long Walk Podcast or you can follow this underscore pod. If you want to keep up with Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or you can search for Long Walk Productions and Long Walk Podcasts on Facebook. I need to take that line out because we don't really update the Facebook a whole lot. To see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on the Long Walk Podcast Network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out. May the force be with you. And you.